Alright, welcome back to the Buffalo Bread Podcast. JJ here with, with Dan as always. We're excited to preview the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns Week 11 matchup in Detroit. Um, you heard me right, you've probably followed it. The uh, The game was moved just as the, uh, the game was moved back in I think 2015 between the Bills and the Jets when a major snow event uh, disrupted the ability in the local area to have the infrastructure necessary for a Buffalo Bills home game. Uh, they moved it to Detroit, so we're back at Ford Field, Dan. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Um, I love it. I'm very excited to see Josh Allen play a home dome game this weekend. I think it's a it's a moment I will cherish for the rest of my life if it goes the way I think ah. it's going to go. <laughs> and not only that, but the Buffalo Bills have the rare opportunity to do something that the um, Detroit Lions have not done, which is win two games in a row or two games at all in in Ford Field this year. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. Um, it, it's fun. Uh, you know, I, I like that the uh, Detroit social media, Lions social media put out something that was like, you know, when you when you stay at a friend's house, it was like, you know, important numbers are by the phone. Please don't break the tables. Turn off the lights <laughs> right. when you leave. Lock up when you leave. Yeah. So no prop, no like promises about those tables. Yeah. No, everyone from the Lions organization to um, Browns organization to the Bills, everyone's handled this extraordinarily well. I was blown away by the videos on social media yesterday of random Buffalonians literally digging out the Buffalo Bills from their homes so they could make their team charter on time to get to the game in Detroit. Like, just just awesome stuff. Um, like, I mean, we're used to snow up here. We, we're used to feet of snow. We're about to get a foot of snow today where I am today. Um, and it's just, it never ceases to amaze me because it's they are weather conditions that could easily make one bitter to the rest of humanity. <laughs> and instead of that, uh, Western New Yorkers banding together to get their Buffalo Bills dug out of their homes so that they could make their team flight and head to Detroit on time amazing and then even more amazing than that in less than 24 hours 56,000 tickets at four fields sold to this game most of which are going to the buffalo bills fan base and it's such a peculiar thing i have multiple friends i was actually chomping at the bit to try to find tickets that were affordable for this game when it was going to be in buffalo i'm not going to make the trip out to detroit because um my nephew uh, my grown nephew is actually going to not the one I referenced on the pod who's a Bills fan, but the uh, an, another one um, is actually going to be at the game. It was going to be his first Bills game in Bills Stadium. He's a Cleveland Browns fan because he grew up in, in and around Cleveland and, and through high gotcha. school. So um, I was going to go out there and surprise and surprise him at the game, and then all of a sudden everything up. He's not going. Multiple other friends that um, listen to the pod are not going uh, because the game was moved. So. Um, it's so I've really I cherish the Bills Mafia that's gonna re you know rebuy tickets and make the trek out, um, and it's a weird opportunity too because I feel like some of those Midwestern Bills fans that maybe haven't been able to see the team at home because Buffalo's too far all of a sudden have this like new lease on life to get a home game <laughs> in this year so yeah. prime it's opportunity it's a weird thing yeah it's a it, weird it thing. is Bills a weird are thing two two games in four days in Detroit's dome. Very weird thing for sure, but, you know, leads us to what I think is very interesting all of a sudden. Well, it was interesting to begin with, but some new wrinkles into the pregame, JJ. So the line on this game, when it got moved from Buffalo to Detroit, shrunk by about a point. It was eight and a half bills, and now it's minus seven and a half for the bills. 
um, you know, neutral neutral field, losing home field advantage and whatnot. Um, I think I think that's a good good segue for us to jump right into the pregame here because there's some interesting things going on where I think now that weather will be absent from the game should at least on paper favor the Bills, particularly the particularly the Bills offense against this Cleveland Browns defense. And I, I think that might be a good place to start. So JJ, what, what do you think are some of the things that you have picked up on as tendencies of the Bills this season in the offensive scheme? And what do you think needs to change in order for them to uh, compete against this Cleveland Browns defense? Sure. So... Um, one thing I'd want to focus on is red zone. I, we, we talk a lot about, you know, how the Bills had turnovers in the red zone in our Vikings pod. Um, but, you know, Cover One had, had a breakdown that I want to share with people because it's interesting to me. And it's kind of what we were already talking about, about the, what they do in, in uh, the red zone in the low area in terms of passing. Um, Allen is pressured about half as much as he's been in each of the last two years. But his interception rate is massively higher in the red zone. Um, and I think that the, the the nut that needs to be cracked there is that teams are not giving Allen man coverage in the red zone, which is a popular strategy in the NFL. If you're down low, you don't worry as much about elite speed breaking away from you and creating separation. Um, you just stick to your man, and it makes it really hard on the offense. What teams are doing is instead of that, they're – creating very, very small throwing windows and dropping more players back into pass coverage than they, um, you know, than, than just the assignments that are in front of them, which is cluttering all of the passing lanes. It's basically daring the Bills to run anything meaningful up up the gut or up the interior of the defensive line, which they've not been able to do. And I'm, we can talk a little bit more about that in this game, but... Um, they've not been able to do down in the close red area. And so the running's not, not getting there. And, um, and so in that zone coverage, which the bills are seeing a little bit more, um, you know, Josh Allen's completion percentage has dropped from, it was 2020, it was 51.6, 2021, 51.9, about the same. Now he's down to 44.4. His TD percentage is dropped about, you know, Three points from 2020, but the same as 2021. So, you know, it's not panic time there. But his interception rate is 11.1% when facing that zone coverage I talked about, which is the predominant, you know, look that the defenses are in when he's been throwing these turnovers in the red zone. And like I said, he's only pressured 21% of the time. Um, and to give you a frame of reference, in 20 and, tw- in 20 and 21, his interception rate, rate was 0%. He didn't throw any in 20 and 1.9% in 21. So to 10 times as much likely that Josh Allen throws you an interception if you're in zone right now, and you're not getting pressure on him. So he's just making, it's a lot of what you had said in the previous pot too, is he's just making poor choices. Um, similarly, when he's seeing man coverage, um, his TD percentage is about the same, his completion percentage is actually a little bit higher than last year, but his interception rate is twice as much. So he's you know, throwing one of those picks against man, and again, he's he's not under pressure, so that doesn't explain it. It's really that he's picking the wrong choices, and that they need to scheme something instead of doing drop back passing with a three or four or five target read progression. That's a problem. That's a problem not only because Josh Allen is making the wrong choice of those five options. <clears throat> excuse me, but he is doing it oftentimes the same time that he's starting to get pressure and feel a little bit like he has to force something. 
I would, I would, I would add to that. I don't, it's not just that Josh is making the wrong choice. We talked about stubborn Josh on the last pod. He's making the same choice over and over again. Now, Bills fans are going to hate what I'm about to do. I'm about to compare Josh Allen to Tua Tungavaloa. All right. When you look at target share from last week, Dolphins game versus Bills game, target share, top two target shares. Won't surprise anybody. Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. But guess what their target share percentage was? It was 17% each of them. The next guy, Jeff Wilson Jr., the running back out of the field, also had a 17% target share. They are equally distributing the ball in Miami. And I looked at that stat and I thought, that used to be us. I look at the Minnesota game for the Buffalo Bills. Target share between Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs, over 60%. So it's not that he's just making the wrong decision. He's forcing it and making it the same decision over and over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that you're, you're right on the money is that it's become predictable. And they that what they have to do is they really have to kind of... Uh, scouting and coaching has not been able to anticipate the defense and, um, and come up with a way to out-scheme what the defense is facing and throwing at them. They also have 14 batted passes total, many of those in the red zone, um, because Allen's release is very fast in the red zone, and teams know he's going to do you know a quick progression, a few drops, read, a little three-stop dro- three drop, and then the ball is out. And so they're just getting their hands up, which can also put the ball in harm's, in harm's way. Um, and so... In, on one-step drops he uh, in the red zone, he had 39% in the first six games and was facing pressure um, 18% of the time, and the Bills went 5-1. and one. He's doing one-step drops uh, far less, so he's doing more progression these last three games, 21% of the time, half as much time, and he's pr- facing pressure on those one-step drops 41% of the time. So teams are definitely finding a way to get quick interior pressure on him and the bills as we all know are one and two so you know they need to do some more things in order to try to stretch the edges of the defense and that brings me actually right into the bills offensive keys against this cleveland defense um cleveland their defense is interesting it's a poorly rated unit in most areas um, and it's largely because their defensive tackles that they've drafted over the fat last few years and middle, you know, up, upper and middle rounds are not great. They have an excellent defensive end. Most people know about Miles Garrett oh, yeah. uh, when he's not trying to murder Mason Rudolph with a helmet uh, for being a racist. Apparently, uh, he is just a nightmare. The end. One of the best rate, best rated defensive end in uh, PFF. Um, they have Jadavian Clowney, who's we've talked about often as you know a solid defensive end, better run run stuffer than than anything else in pass rush, but strong, right? Um, and then they have three uh, three CB or two rookie CBs, and um, and then Denzel Ward, who's who's very good and just coming back, so he's his rankings are are trash, but it's not indicative of the type of player he is. He'll be on the field. Um, but they actually just lost their second uh, best uh, DB, Greg Newsom, who's a rookie a couple of years ago. So yeah, their defense is interesting. It's um, it's really good on paper, but it hasn't been producing on the field, and they are pretty vulnerable in the interior of the the um, offensive line. But that doesn't that actually doesn't play to what I think the Bills could find success doing. Um, 
based on my watch of all of all the Bills games up to this point, uh, the last three weeks they've been getting the run game going around the edges, and that will should inc- improve with Cook and Hines doing even better. And, you know, Hines learning the playbook, Cook coming in, uh, into his own a little bit as a rookie. Um, and so the pin and pull concept, gap, gap play to the outside, um, and abandoning that mid zone that they do between the tackle and guard, I think could really help them. You could even run straight at Miles Garrett if you have two people dependably double him. It's not unreasonable. Um, his uh, Singletary has, I think everyone's appreciated his contributions, and he's had some good runs, but what's interesting is his EPA per, per snap is incredibly poor. It's like negative 21. Oh, and yeah. so even, even the plays that he gets where he's like 10 to 15 yards of, you know, down the field, um, other players, an average NFL running back, would probably turn that into a 25, 26, 30, or to the house play. So, like, that's the thing that's hard to see is, like, when the blocking is perfect, Singletary gets great gains, and it's like, oh, he should be the runner all the time. But he's actually doing less with the blocking than any other player, you know, in the league would do on average. Than an and average so running less, back would do, yes. yeah. Yes, with that blocking. And so it's such a weird statistic to look at because it's like okay i'm gonna take singletary out of that play and just look at where all the bodies are with next gen stats um but that's what they've done and they've determined that he's you know he's doing less with the excellent blocking on those great runs than almost any other player and so uh, is that person on the bills team is what i want to see and that feels terrible because he's been dependable but he's also had a bit of a fun fumbling problem but so is james Cook and so is Naeem Hines at times in his his career. So, I think that maybe less Singletary and more somebody with a little bit of burst um, to see if they can turn those those great runs into you know game changing runs. Um, That's the thing for me. Yeah. That's the thing for me, JJ. And I love that you brought up EPA, one of my favorite stats in the world, because it goes beyond just the pure rush averages and things like that. We've actually talked about. The past couple of the past few games, I'd say three or four games, the Buffalo Bills offensive line, while they do not do a good job getting a push up the middle, as you have properly stated, in the run block game, they are opening up some holes and they are keeping Singletary clean past the line of scrimmage. We have, excuse me, JJ, I am being interrupted by the production room immediately. That looks amazing. Thank you. That's so good, bud. That's great. It's a big monster. Very cool, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we are uh, we are live from Buffalo Bread Studios, and the production team is hard at work on graphics for our next <laughs> yes. week. Yes. Um, yeah. But what I was what monster. I was it's a monster. Uh, Nick Chubb is a monster that we are going to talk about mm-hmm. in a minute here. How about that for segue? That's a good but, one. Um, You're the segue king, after all. Yeah. Uh, what can I say? What can I say? But um, but in in all honesty, the the Bills' offensive line has done a good job keeping Singletary clean and getting him some holes that he can exploit past the line of scrimmage. Like we've said, it's almost been three and a half yards of runway before Singletary hits contact. Um, That's great in a lot of ways. And like you have properly stated, I think a running back with more speed and more burst could make more of that runway. And I think the Bills got a couple of guys on the roster in Hines and, and Cook 
that can take better advantage of that. I get they want to bring the rookie along slow, but what's the excuse for Hines not being more a part of this game plan? Yeah. If he's not a part of the game plan today, I really question the use of draft capital um, regardless of regardless of how, how little it might have been to, to bring in essentially a third running back. This feels like the the feet of Rita situation from last year, right? I don't know if we've got a catchy tagline for getting the ball to Hines, but I mean, I think it's time that the Bills really kind of turned things over. We've seen enough of Singletary to some of the speedier guys. That's something that is hard to game plan for and something that the Bills have coveted trying to accumulate on their roster. They now have speed options um, behind the line of scrimmage in Cook and in Hines it's time to see what those guys can do, not just in standard uh, standard run plays, but also catching the ball out of the backfield, you know, and give give Allen a different target with a yak potential. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's might be time to set up the old tripod and pull pull the motor, um, and uh, start well grinding Hines, grind Hines, grind so, Hines. There you go. Oh well. Cool. I, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to vet that one we'll through uh, through we'll, we'll have to workshop that one through adult film websites because I'm pretty sure that's oh, probably copyrighted already. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say grind heinies. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, no, I, I think that that's part of it is is seeing what they they can get out of them. The Bills have a, kind of a an injury problem at wide receiver, and so I feel like maybe Cook and Hines could also get some opportunities in the passing game. Uh, at the game today, and I know that Josh Allen's elbow's dinged up. I know that he's not even throwing at practice to avoid, you know, any unnecessary strain on it, so it's definitely still hurting him, um, and that's probably affecting, you know, has probably affected his play in the, the Viking game, I'm pretty sure, is, you know, some of his targets were off, off target, and uh, I do think there's some value in giving all the snaps to McKenzie or Shakir in the primary slot position, and I know that they like rotating and I agree. Like confusing. You're not confusing anybody. He's not distributing the ball. Give those players a chance. Pick one of them to be your slot and give that guy a chance to really get into the flow of the game and start to feel out the defense so that maybe they can develop their ability to find the soft spot in zones. Um, because right now, you know, changing them out for 60% for McKenzie and 40% for Shakir or, you know, 60-20-20, including Hines or somebody like that in the slot – I don't love it, and I think that maybe you need to have your slot, have the roots come out of the backfield, um, get back to the short distributive passing that you were doing in the first six games of the season, um, and using QB power again. So, um, yeah, they, I, that, the, that's the yeah. that's the big one in the red zone is those scripted runs from Josh Allen. I don't know how many of those they're going to pull out on this field turf and with his elbow being the way it is. Right, but but that is. That is the ultimate, the ultimate Thanos snapping his finger option to to alleviate the Bills' red zone woes. Because like you said, they're begging the Bills to run. They just don't think the Bills can run it with one of their running backs. But once you establish Josh Allen in that, that red zone part of the field, you're going to start to see things open up like they did last year. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, the Browns are giving up a lot in the passing game. Um but they tend to be, you know, a, a free-flowing defense. They they rally to the ball. Their linebackers are are pretty fast, and so they have some things going for them. And so you can't, you know, you can't give them a chance to get right with turnovers. They've been bad with interceptions this year. They have the, the lowest in the league, I think. Um, but you know, you really need to 
be smart with the ball because they will take advantage and, and get you know get multiple hats on a guy and strip at it and, and those sorts of things. Um, couple of uh, people to note that I think that I, I just want to give kudos to for the Browns D, uh, Sione Takitaki, who has one of the coolest names that's ever that's ever been. Amen. Um, re- reminds me a little bit. He's got a little bit of Milano in him in that he. And I don't think he's at the level of Milano at all. Um, but he play, he has a similar play style, is what I'll say, in terms of he's got a very good eye for reading and anticipating things. He's good at kind of shaking off blocks and flying through gaps and making things happen. And so I'm interested to see him against the, this Bills offense. And then Isaiah Thomas, who's a rookie seventh rounder, and Miles Garrett's primary backup. I see some sauce from this dude. He's young, but uh, he he looks like he's he's got there's something special. They might have found a gem in the late rounds there, um, because he tends to make some pretty significant splash plays when he's on the field. Um, and for a seventh round rookie, that's not expected. Without a doubt, without a doubt, and, and I think that's a nice bow to put on this preview of the Bills' offense versus the Browns' defense. They got some guys who. You know, like we've said, are problematic for the Buffalo Bills, given how injured the Bills are and where the the Bills' general weaknesses on the offensive line are. But I think you've laid out a pretty comprehensive strategy for how the Bills can neutralize and mitigate a lot of those things. The defensive side of the ball is something I for the Bills I don't want to underrate because this is a this is a primed rushing attack led by Nick Chubb. Um, who is leading the league in yards per carry at 5.6 yards or 5.7 yards per carry. Um, This is the stuff of nightmares for Bills fans, especially with Rousseau out. Uh, Looks like Edmonds is going to be out this game. No Trey White again this game. Just how beat up the Buffalo Bills are along that defensive line and in the linebacking core. There is a real scenario where the Browns just decide to Belichick it and just give it to Chubb for ninety percent of their their play their offensive plays, and just keep the Bills' offense off the field. JJ, what do you think are some of the defensive keys for the Buffalo Bills if they want to get the Browns uh, turned over on downs here? So you know, I think that the they really have to shut down the run. Um, and that's going to be the most impossible statement I've probably made on a Bills game yeah. to anything. I don't, uh, I don't know so, if that's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that the Bills have um, have seen a better offensive line this year in terms of run blocking. You know, they, I would agree. they do give up some, they give up some pressure to the edges um, at the tackle position um, in the pass game, but that means that, you know, I think it was against the Bengals on Monday night, the Browns ran it like 68% of the time or something like that. And that was effective at shutting, you know, their defense came out inspired. They shut down the, the Bengals on offense and were able to make some plays and, uh, and then just ran it down their throats basically the whole game. Um, it's dangerous. I worry a lot about the bills in that setup because, um, across the middle from their left guard to their right guard, it's like night and day for what you see with the Bills because it's the strength of their team, basically. Their offensive team, best players, are left guard Joel Batonio, um, Ethan po- Pochick uh, at center, and Wyatt Teller at right guard. And yeah, I know we all are very sad that Wyatt Teller we love is, you, a, Wyatt. is a Brown. I, I, yeah, we love I you, Wyatt. Uh, I don't... Um, I, I no longer feel upset at Brandon Bean with the choices he made. 
um, at that time, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, if it didn't work, you should have done the other thing. Um, we didn't know that Wyatt Teller was going to turn into an all-pro. He looked like a decent backup-level guard when he was with the Bills, and something triggered in him when he went over to the Browns. Maybe the style of their run game was, was different from the Bills at the time. But, but right now, what we're looking at is the <laughs> first and fourth best guard on PFF's rankings in Batonio and Teller. And Teller's coming back for this one. He looks like he's going to be healthy for the first time in a couple weeks, um, but has been banged up. And then the first best run-blocking center in the entire league. So that's how good their interior is. On the edges, Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin and left and right tackle are okay. Um, Good enough to get the job done. Better run blockers than pass blockers, as I mentioned. Um, The uh, Browns are actually getting healthier on offense. They're going to get David Njoku back um, as well, who's a solid athletic tight end they paid him a boatload of money money um and then the other weapons outside outside are amari cooper and donovan peoples jones um who you know amari cooper is probably one of the top five six seven separators and root runners in the league oh, uh, for sure. and then donovan peoples peoples jones is one of those he's got some speed but he's more possession than than speed is his number one component and his possession is excellent he's got some incredible ball skills uh and will make some difficult catches so it's going to be. Cur- I'm curious to see what the Bills will be able to do, especially with Greg Rousseau and Tremaine Edmonds out, um, who are two of their best run defense players, two of the best probably run defenders on the team. Um, I'm glad to see that Matt Milano is in, and I'm glad to see that Poyer could be in because that will make a difference, especially if Poyer Poyer is running along Hamlin. I and this is maybe hot takey. I think Poyer plus Hamlin is better run defense than Poyer plus Hyde. Interesting. Oh, I'd, I'd have to go. I, I mean, there's so little sample size for Poyer and Hamlin to pull from from a stat perspective. It, I mean, if you're just going off your if you're just going off your eyes, I mean, I guess I sort of get it. But like, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Poyer does. To, I, I think Poyer is the common denominator there. I, I will. I'm going to put a pin in that one because I've got to pull okay. some some stat packages from it. It's an interesting take that I don't want to either eviscerate or agree with too quickly because I think it might have some merit. I mean, I think I think Hamlin is an absolute hammer in, in, in the run defense game, without a doubt. He's incredible. And yes, probably plus a little bit over Hyde just because of the, the style of ball that Hyde plays. But Poyer and Hyde together all around... When it comes to run defense and what they allow, like guys like Taron Johnson to do in the run defense game, that stuff that doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, but knowing that those two guys are back there with a clear understanding of their assignments, it simplifies the game for some of these DBs at the lower level to step up in the run defense game, which is the, what the Bills rely on, um, rely on a ton, and it's where I think we've seen even with Hamlin on the field. Uh, the biggest decrease in efficiency for some of these Bills DBs. Like, Elam's been better, I think, in run defense than we expected him to be. But Johnson has taken a huge... Taron Johnson has taken a huge step back. And I think that that is more of a result of Poyer and Hyde not being on the field at the same time together. But again, that's just off the top of my head, a response to your take. I think there might be merit to it, but but I, I defer to later on in future pods to, to pull some stats that, that sure. may ca- clear, uh, cast some, some light on that assertion, my friend. 
All right, well, <laughs> that's fine. I wanted to hit you with that because I, I was just thinking about it looking at the lineup. I was like, oh, mesh. Like, because like, you see Hamlin and Poyer, Poyer in their respective games um, making more of those kind of come downhill and blow up, you know, the offensive rushing play plays than I think you see in Hyde because that's never been his role. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just thought about that. That That's the key to that's the game. an interesting the key take. The is going, yeah. The key to the game is going to be coming downhill, shutting down or limiting Chubb and Kareem Hunt as much as you can. Um, you're never they're going to get theirs. It's sort of like you know LeBron. They're always you, know, you expect them to get their thirty. Try to like minimize what the damage everyone else is going to do is, and so really trying to keep them down, take a couple of possessions away via punt. You know, stall them, stall that run game enough to get them behind the sticks so that they have to um, use Jacoby Brissett. Who's not terrible? He is probably he's probably the twelfth or thirteenth um, best QB in the league. So he's really middle of the pack. We've seen him before. He was actually at the snow game that they played against Indy, um, where Lashawn McCoy won in overtime with a run uh, for a touchdown. That was a super cool game. And we were sort of thinking maybe Brissett returns for another snow snow game. But they're going to be at Ford Field, and uh, that's nice for the Bills in in offense. It might be a disadvantage for the Browns on offense because I think that they would have been better with a little bit of messiness to, to work through in the run game. Um, but really, if they can if they can reduce the run game so that the uh, Browns are behind the sticks a little bit, so they're in second and long, third and longs, then they're going to have an opportunity to pressure Brissett. He holds the ball um, more than most QBs and even more so than Kirk Cousins. He, his splits indicate he's not going to make you pay if you blitz him, and you probably are going to have to blitz him. You're going to have to, yeah. The the center and two guards, they can block four people, just the three of them. And so you need to you need to have somebody win an outside matchup um, because they're all very solid. So, you know, take advantage of getting them behind a little bit and then send some, some disguised pressure, send some interesting pressure. Um, because that's going to really put Brissett in a, in a, in a jam. He's not, he's not great in those situations, and he holds on to the ball as it is with a normal concept for a very long time. Um, yeah, you're, you're... That, yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to finish my thought. I think the, the biggest key to the defense is for Josh Allen to get right on the offense and to make the, make the Browns feel the pressure to, get, you know, to catch up on the scoreboard. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's, it is on Josh Allen and the offense to pace the defense here in this game because there there's a very real world where the Cleveland Browns just, with efficient runs from Chubb on first and second down, they find themselves in constant three and shorts. And all of a sudden, the Buffalo Bills defense cannot, st- cannot stop anybody on third down over the past four weeks. So there is a world where that happens. Exclusively on the defensive side of the ball, you want to limit Chubb and you want to limit Hunt and you want you want to put the ball in Brissett's hands on third and six, third and seven, third and eight, if at all that you can. But I I don't know that the Buffalo Bills will have the personnel in order to do that. So I I agree with you. The Bills on offense need to maximize their snaps. They need to maximize their scoring potential and they need to pace the defense in this one to force the Browns out of their game plan and basically turn the Browns into a passing offense. If you can do that, if you can do that and you can get suitable pressure on Brissett, the Buffalo Bills have a chance to win the game handily. But 
it's all on Josh Allen and the offense as it normally is. And it, God, you got to wonder in the long run how sustainable that is. The Bills just got to get some of these guys healthy and back on the defensive side of the ball, especially for this divisional run that we're about to hit after we get past the Thanksgiving game in Detroit. Yeah, so it's JJ, three divisional games oh, yeah, after that that game, right? So it's it's uh, Thursday, Detroit in Detroit for Thanksgiving, and then yep. it's uh, Patriots the Thursday following, then Jets, then Dolphins. Uh, yes, or that Dolphins is the. Okay, I think it's yeah. I think it's Dolphins then Jets, but we'll look at the schedule for okay. sure. But yeah, it's, yeah, that uh, scares me. <laughs> yep, and then we've got yeah. one more game in Week 17 or Week 18, I think, looming against the Patriots, right? And that could. That one could be for all the marbles, regardless of where the Patriots are at in the standings. At that point, you hope that the Bills are 3-2 and two in division, um, and it could be a, a muddled mess. Uh, JJ, I think this is a good time to, to move on to props and predictions here. I, I think you and I both yep. agree that the Bills need a win here, especially with Miami yes. on a bye. If Buffalo is not at least tied with Miami or whoever else may ascend up above the Bills into the, the top of the division. The The Dolphins and Jets currently hold a tiebreaker over the Bills, which means a one-game lead for either of those two teams in the division is essentially a two-game lead. So, and again, I don't see many losses left on the schedule for the Dolphins. Um, maybe the Chargers, maybe the 49ers, but outside of that, I mean, the, the Dolphins... I mean, they got to lose a game of two at this point. So the Bills need to enter into this division run at least tied for division lead, and winning today is going to go a long way to that. So I've got the Bills to win, but I've got the Bills to win in a very close game. It, despite the fact that it's a dome and Josh Allen plays really great in the do- in an in indoor situation, he's 6-1 and one over the course of his career with a passer rating of 119, um, like 8 TDs to 1 INT. It, this Bills offense is still finding its identity and finding itself, and I, I just I think the Browns are going to have lots of long drives that may ultimately sputter out in the red zone. That's your only hope at this point. But this game, to me, feels like a 21-17 to 17 type of situation in favor of the Bills. So I'm taking the under on the points, and I'm taking the Bills to not cover the 7.5-point spread. But I got the Bills winning outright 21-17. Okay. Um, they actually moved the over/under. It was at 47 when it was going to be a weather game. It's up to 50 now. Um, the you know expected. Uh, that point. feels and insane. So, that feels absolutely yeah, insane to me. <laughs> well, so here's the thing about here's the thing about Vegas is that they they usually get it right with the bills and spreads, um, <clears throat> and not you know not. Uh, it's always been the under all season, so they're, they're usually a little high. But, you know, the the Bills win games they're supposed to win most of the time. The Vikings game excluded, um, the Jets game excluded. Like, the, it's been a bad couple weeks, but... The last two weeks in a row excluded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You talked me off a ledge earlier this week. The Bills offense is still a very good offense. In most metrics, they're still top, near the top of the league, top two, top three. Um, it's just this weird spate of turnovers has been crushing them. Without a, one interception in each of those two games against the Jets and the Vikings, the Bills win. That's it. That's all, right? Like, and so that that's one play that can change their their fortune. And I think they're going to get right in this one. Uh, as you mentioned, Josh Allen has, has been pretty lethal under the dome. Uh, and so I think the Bills win 31, Browns 17. I think they cover. 
and I think the under hits again. It was this was going to be my big, you know, the Bills go over with their like not statement victory because this is a still a three and whatever football team, but um, but with the kind of victory that says that they have their their act together and they're going to get going. So um, you know, I, I really like that. I really like for it to, to happen. Um, well, I don't know if you can hear. I'm a little under the weather, and so. A, a Bills victory would be a great medicine today. Um, and then for my props, I've got Von Miller, two sacks uh, or more. And you've chosen the under. You think he's not going to get to two sacks? Uh, I think he's chosen got, yeah, the under. Yeah. Okay. And I've got Stefan Diggs with 100 yards receiving, which he's made look pretty You, That's pretty constant for him to get 100 yards in the game. Um even if it's not massive explosive plays, they do feed him the ball. So I think that continues. Uh, and then you had a prop bet. And you also picked the under on that. Yeah, I picked the under on, on Miller just because I think with Rousseau out and this the interior of the offensive line for Cleveland being what it is, I think they're just going to double Miller on whatever side of the ball he's on all day. All day. Yeah. Um, in passing situations for Brissett, who every time he drops back, um, Brissett should be fined. Like, that's just my thought if I'm the Browns going into their game plan. They really need to run the ball with Chubb. But I think in pass in passing situations, they're going to double Miller all day. Um, yeah. Vaughn's good enough to maybe get one in that situation, but two or over, it seems tough. And the thing with Diggs, I think Diggs is going to have a really good day. Like, I think he's going to... I think Vegas has his, his over-under sitting at, like, 87.5 yards or something. I think he's going to get the over. I just don't think he's going to get 100. And that's more of, like, a hopeful thing for me. In that, what that would mean, maybe, is that the Bills are distributing the ball to a multitude of pass catchers in this game. As opposed to the 60-plus percent target share that's been lauded on Diggs and, and Davis. Diggs is still your best weapon. You should still, for sure, feed him the ball as on as many occasions as is humanly possible. But I am hoping, and this leads me into my prop bet, I'm hoping that the Buffalo Bills make a decision at slot, like you said, and are working to distribute the ball amongst six, seven, even eight pass catchers in this game. So my prop bet is Isaiah McKenzie over under 75.5 total yards for this game. Vegas has his receiving numbers at over under 30.5. Um, I, I, I think if you look at McKenzie and the jet sweep as a jet sweep option, and then you look at him, if he is the, the sole slot option and him and him and uh, Allen can get it going, I actually think McKenzie has, to, has a chance to have a really big day, kind of a la New England uh, last season when I, McKenzie really had his breakout game and became a weapon for this offense. Because if it's not today against this defense in this setting, it really makes you wonder when, if at all, they're going to get McKenzie going at this point. So to me, it's just got to be today. And some of McKenzie's hopeful success in my mind would come at the expense of, of target share and yards for digs. Yeah. Okay. No, I think that's reasonable. Um, you know, I think that the the Buffalo Bills at head, head west, go west, young man, uh, they take a uh, Airbnb uh, stadium, and um, they're going to, you know, host some guests out there for a little meetup. Uh, let's see what the Cleveland Browns bring to town. Let's see it, dude. So as always, like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Apple, and Spotify. And JJ, hope you feel better, and as always, go Bills. Go Bills.